very short uh, portion to read, but we're going to be reading quite a bit tonight. And if you have your Bible, turn to First Epistle to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 3. We're only going to lift out one verse. First Timothy chapter 3, please, and verse 16. First Timothy 3, 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let's just read it one more time. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Tonight we want to uh, speak on the title, The Exclusivity. The Exclusivity of Christ, the exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In an age of inclusiveness, in an age of one-worldism and New Age philosophy that's now even in the church and replacing the gospel of saving grace, the blood, the book, and the lamb, and with the ecumenical movements of not only, if I can put it in brackets, branches of denominations of Christianity, but now ecumenism of all faiths, it seems fitting in the world to gather together to worship. Just this week I read of some Presbyterian gathering of their highest ranking men in the United States were praying as usual to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they then thought they would be inclusive and they prayed to Allah in the same meeting. And so all of these things, people get confused and say, you shouldn't say that Christ is exclusive anymore. We need to be inclusive and bring in everything and everyone together, but the Bible does not teach that. And so all faiths are gathered together for multi-faith meetings in an age of political correctness and in an age of social libertarian movement throughout society and our nation, the free love movement, which through other avenues aims to destroy the building blocks of our society, the building blocks that were the word of God on which our nation was founded on. The church of God, that is the universal church of Christ, the blood-wise church, they're trying to destroy it by infiltrating in many ways into it. And also the truth of God's word, the inspiration of the spirit and how it's mostly fairy tales and fantasies, many are saying today, and cannot be trusted. And of course, the fourth foundation that's trying to be destroyed in our nation today is the foundation of biblical marriage of a one man and one woman and the family unit. Many denom denominations and churches and ministers and pastors and 
Christians have now either one caved into these pressures from society, and so they think it's easier life to gather everyone together, to let all manner of sin happen and let all manner of things happen, and so they cave in for an easy life. Secondly, they have either that or been deceived by false teachers and preachers. Thirdly, they are weak in the faith and are overcome with fear. So Christians now are afraid to speak their faith and to show their faith and to tell forth their faith. And fourthly, they have been under the media mind control from they were young. And now the media mind control has us that we as blood-washed, spirit-filled, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Bible-believing Christians, uh, that we are now the outcasts. We are the ones who are the strangers and trying to make us seem so. And now you and I are unacceptable in society. And so I've been afraid to offend by telling people the truth, being afraid to tell them and not to accept their teachings or their other faiths or their methods of religion and their acceptance. And fifthly, many are afraid not of losing their lives like Christians are in many countries, but speaking of our own nation, many are afraid of losing their pay packet, whether that's in their workplace or whether that's the preacher Many preachers are afraid of losing their pay packet in their congregation, so they will not tell the congregation what they need to hear, but rather tell them what they want to hear, willing and allowing many things to come into the church which are nothing of the gospel, have nothing to do with the Word of God, and are in fact anathema in church life and circles. Many are afraid of losing their pay packet and their congregation. And many preachers preach for a living instead of living to preach. Many preachers preach for a living instead of living to preach. So tonight we want to look at the exclusivity of Christ to say that Christ is the only way of salvation. No matter what background you come from, no matter what faith you believe in, we say that Christ is exclusively the one and only way to be saved. Now, that's the Bible teaching, and we believe that with all of our hearts. Exclusiveness or exclusivity means this. First of all, it means something not divided or shared. Something not divided or shared with others. Secondly, it means or gives the idea of the state and quality of something being exclusive. The state and quality. What is the state and quality of Christ? Who exactly is he when we say he is exclusively the only Savior? And then it also means that excluding everyone else and other things. So when we say Christ is exclusive, I make no apologies for it. I claim Christ to be exclusive in salvation, in the payment of sin, the only way to heaven, to the kingdom of God, the only way to the Father, that in Christ and Christ alone, no matter our upbringing, our denominationalism, that Christ and Christ alone is the only way, means method and payment for our salvation and our redemption, and in none other, and in nowhere else. Make no apology for it because we believe what the Word of God says about it. We're going to look at it. What about Christ and when he died on the cross for you? 
when he died on the cross for me. Who was that man hanging on the tree then? So then we have many who, like me, growing up a good, I put in brackets again, a good Protestant boy, growing up and thinking, well, you know, I, I went to my Sunday schools and I went to my, my BB, my boys' brigade, and I, I done this, that, and the other, yet I was a sinner. I was so far away from God, and I needed saved, and I didn't even realize it. I wasn't told at the later in life. I noticed this. I was thinking at one time that I'm not a bad lad. Maybe my works, maybe my goodness. I have not a bad heart. My heart was rotten. And yet we tend to think these things that we will get the glory and we will enter Christ's heaven, his kingdom, just by our own merits or by our denomination because we're a Catholic or a Protestant or whatever else we may be. But no, the scripture says the only way for any man or woman to be saved is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So are we, we are so we are saying, we are saying that true faith, saving faith, and true salvation is exclusively in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He alone is the one true God and our Savior. That He alone is the only way to God, to glory, to heaven, to His kingdom. That He alone is the only payment for your sin. When we say this, we mean that outside of Christ, there is no salvation for anyone. Outside of him, there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness outside of him, and there is no eternal life outside of him. When we say that Christ is exclusive, we say this, and we mean that salvation is in Christ alone, and that there is no other means or method. Listen, the five solas from the reformers gives us the good idea. The sola fide means by faith alone in Christ. Sola scriptura is by scripture alone. What the scriptures say about you and me and Christ. Sola Christos means through Christ alone. Sola gratia means by grace alone. It's not by our works or who we are. By grace alone. Sole Deo Gloria means giving glory to God alone. And if you and I can go to heaven and be saved, if you and I can enter God's kingdom by who we are or what we think or what we try to become or the denomination we belong to, then we find in that day that we are trying to take glory from what Christ has already done for us. And we will be rejected. The exclusivity of Christ means he alone is sinless. There's none other sinless. The man you're listening to is not sinless. From Adam's fall, every single man, every pastor, every preacher, every priest, every minister, every pope, everyone has been sinners. Every one of us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Christ alone, exclusively, is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That he alone is worthy of the glory. That he alone could save when none other could. He alone is divine. That is, he is the divine spirit in flesh. That he is deity clothed in humanity. His glorious work on the cross of Calvary for our redemption 
could be done by Christ alone. And in the saving of souls, he is exclusive. In the saving of souls, Jesus Christ is exclusive. His saviorships, saviorship he shares with none other. Now listen, we're going to hear this from Scripture. His saviorship he will share with none other. For there is no other saviour. And those of us who think we can save ourselves by who we are, or our church can save us, or the Elam can save you, none can save but Christ alone. It's all in Christ. He is exclusive in salvation. He alone exclusively could shed his blood, for his blood alone was pure enough to pay for the penalty and the debt of our sin. His blood was atoning blood, precious blood, cleansing blood. His blood alone exclusively is the one and time, once for all, payment for our sin and offering to God, never to be repeated again. The one time, once for all, sacrifice of Christ and the shedding of his blood is exclusive to God. I want to say it again. When Jesus died on the cross, that one time and once for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it will never be a I will never be repeated again. It is exclusively the only means and payment for our sin. There's none other. There's nothing else that can pay for our debt. He is exclusive, and not exclusively will the Father accept. This excludes, listen, this excludes all other sacrifices and offerings including a future so-called temple. It excludes all other ways, means, all other religions and faiths. It excludes all sacraments and ceremonies and rituals. It excludes all organizations and denominations and affiliations. It excludes all works and charities and alms and deeds and places it exclusively in the hands of Christ. My salvation and yours rest solely, totally, fully, completely, and uniquely, and only in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way, and there is none other means. The exclusivity of Christ is his ability alone, his doing alone, his dying alone, his resurrection alone, his ascension alone, his high priestly ministry in heaven alone, and his glory alone. There is no other. There is none else. It's Christ and Christ alone. Now I want to bring you, that's my introduction to this, and I want to bring you to what the Scriptures say in the person and the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Listen to what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Listen to what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The word Lord is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. That's his name. The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, our God is Elohim. This is the God of plural majesty who created the earth, they're saying. It's the same God. Jehovah our Elohim is one Jehovah. That's what they're saying. Now here, Israel, there's one God and there's one Jehovah God. Just him and him alone. 
no Allah. There's no Allah here. The God of Islam is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so now we have men, even in Christian circles, having joint fellowship um, with, with these men uh, uh, and having joint religious exercises and worship ceremonies with them. And they're crying on to Allah and others are crying on to Jesus. And they say it's darkness and it's light and they are not the same God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is not a God of pantheism. He's not a God of many, but he is a God who is one. Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament. Now listen to what he says. Isaiah 43 and verse 11. The Lord says through the prophet, I, speaking of himself, I, even I am the Lord. Notice, here is Almighty God speaking through a prophet. He says, I, even I am Yahweh. In other words, I alone am God. There is no other God. There's one God. The God of our Bible, the true and living God. I, even I, am the Lord beside me. Notice what he says. There is no Savior. Notice this. Beside me, he says, there is no Savior. God is in the heavens. And he says, there is no other but me. You want to be saved, he says. Then it's only in me you can be saved. For I am the only living God. But Lord, you are invisible. You are the great eternal spirit. But Lord, how can we see you? And how can we know you? Set you come down and reveal yourself unto us. Well, isn't that what he did? In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Notice this. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no savior. He's exclusive. God is exclusive. Next time you see or you hear about all of these multi-faith religious festivals and ceremonies together, you can say, that is not of God. He says, I alone am God. There isn't many gods, but one true and living God. Isaiah 44 and verse 6. 44 and verse 6 says, For thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, Notice what he says. The Lord says, I am the first. And I am the last. Beside me, beside God. He says, beside me there is no God. In other words, again, he's exclusive and he's saying, I am the only God. I am the first and I am the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and the, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, I am the letter here, and I am the A to Z. I am everything, and every word, and everything you can make up in between those words, your language and mine, and every other language. He says, I am he. And all of this, he says, and there is no other God. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, reveals himself in the book of Revelation to the apostle John. And this is what he says in Revelation 1 and 17. The risen, ascended, glorified Christ says, I am the first and the last. Jesus said that. He says, I am the first and the last. Who is speaking to Isaiah? Who is this one that Isaiah speaks of when he says, 
I am, he says, the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. He's Jesus. This is Jesus pre-Bethlehem. Before he became a man, before he was born a baby. This is he coming and speaking through his word in the medium of it. And he says, if you want to be saved, you want to come to my kingdom. If you want to be in my glory, if you want to be in my heaven, he says, then it's only mine and there is none else. And I must come and be your savior. There's no God beside me and there is none else. Isaiah 44 and verse 8 says these words. The Lord asks you and he asks me, he says, is there a God beside me? Well, we know there isn't, Lord. You've told us that and we believe you. Is there a God beside me? Yeah, there is no God I know, not any. Now, if God is, he knows everything. Our God is omniscient. His knowledge is everywhere about everything at all times. God knows everything. And he says he doesn't know another God. Jehovah Jesus says he doesn't know another God. There is no other God, he says. I don't know any. Well, Lord, if you don't know any, then there isn't any. Then there isn't any. In Isaiah 45 and 5, Listen to what the Lord says. He says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh or I am Jehovah. I am the Lord beside me. Pardon me. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. He says, I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 45 and 21. He said, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. Isaiah 45 and 21. He says, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none, he said. There is none else. There's none beside me. He says, there's none that's just. There's no other God. There's no other Savior. I note the language of God. This is Old Testament. This is even before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is the God of of the Bible of the Old Testament saying, the invisible great I am, speaking through the prophets and saying, I'm the only God and I'm the only Savior. And if you want to be saved, you got to come through me. But Lord, how do we? Hosea 13, another prophet. We go through many of these. Hosea 13 and verse 4. Listen to what the Lord says. Yet I am the Lord thy God from Egypt. In other words, he means, I brought you Israel out of Egypt. How did he bring them out of Egypt? He could ask them, Israel, how did I bring you with deliverance from Egypt? And Israel would say, well, you told us to take a lamb and to shed its blood and to take hyssop and dip it in a bucket and put it on the doorposts and the door lintels of our homes and to stay in our homes and the blood was marked on the door and Lord when you're coming over in judgment you says that you're passing through Egypt this night in judgment but you said when I see the blood I will pass over you and Lord you've seen the blood in the Israelite homes and you, you passed over in judgment you see that's the idea of Christ and his blood 
that when you're by faith washed in the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary, he is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And when you and I are under the blood and the day of judgment, judgment passes over us because God sees the blood of Jesus. That is the only means and method. It's exclusive. Christ is exclusive to the Father and he will not accept anything else but the blood of his Son. Yet I am the Lord, thy God from Egypt. Thou shalt know no God. That's a small g. It means the God of wood and idols and all these things and other gods you might think there is and worship them, the God of imagination and the God of our own desires. He says, thou shalt know no God but me. I notice, for there is no Savior beside me. You think of the world we live in and how many have gods of sport and gods of pop stars and actors and so on and we could go through it and, and gods of religious gods and you think of how many bow down to certain types of gods and they rule their life and God says, they're your God of your life. And if that's the God of your life, then that God can't save you. And it'll come to a time when you have not come to me through my son uniquely, exclusively through him. So then you'll not enter into my heaven. You will not enter into my kingdom. Salvation is exclusively found in the one true living God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice this. There was no other God. In other words, there's no Islamic Allah. There is no Islamic Allah. They are not the same God. There's no Greek gods. There's no Hindu gods, the many of them. There's no ancient Norse gods. Real gods, I mean. No plethora of idols made of wood or metals or stone. There's no gods of sacred altars and pilgrimages. There's no gods of family gods. That is the gods of Mormonism. The gods of Mormonism, Mormons believe that the Lord Jesus Christ and Adam who fell in the garden and Lucifer who was Satan or the devil were all brothers in heaven together. And many of them, there's a family of them and there's a father as he sits around a great table. And every one of you can become a god if you live right in this life. That's the teaching of Mormonism. And the Lord's saying, there is no other God and there is no other way but through the blood of my Son. That's how you come. That's the exclusivity of Christ. And we can't bow because political correctness tells us otherwise. And we can't bow because our denominationalism and, our, and even the Elam movement or anybody else would say, we're going this way, then I will say, I'm going that way. can't allow, we cannot allow anyone to take us from the word of the Lord. There's no ancestral worship gods that, like in Africa where they worship ancestors. Beside me, the Lord says, there is none else. There is no savior. Now here's something I want you to think of. Isaiah 40, please. Isaiah 40 and verse 25. Here's what the Lord asks us. Listen to his question. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal? Now notice this. 
Because we want to look now, we're getting closer to seeing the exclusivity of Christ on the cross, that that cross where he bled and died is the only way, completely full stop, end of story. And he wasn't just a man who hung on a cross. To whom will you liken me, the Lord says. This is all Old Testament. Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. God asks, who do you think I'm like? Do you know why I asked those questions? Israel came out of Egypt and they made a a calf out of the earrings of gold and so on. And they made this bull calf and started to worship. And they started to say, these be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And God sends Moses down and says, these people are rising up to play. Do they think I'm like that animal? They think I'm like that statue? He says, to whom would you liken me? Think I'm like a bull calf, he says. And again, later in Israel, at the separating of the kingdom, the northern kingdom of the house of Israel, we're told that, uh, that Jeroboam, he made two golden calves, placed one in Dan and one in Bethel to stop them going to Jerusalem to the then temple to worship. And he says, these be thy gods, O Israel. And he says, you're placing these gods here and you think I'm like those gods. I am the great eternal spirit. I am the almighty. There's none like me. He says, to whom will you make equal to me? Brothers and sisters, who do we think is equal to our God? There's none equal to him. But listen to what it says in Philippians in the New Testament. Chapter 2 and verse 6. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's went to the cross. He's went to the tomb. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended into glory. He's seated at the right hand of God. And notice what Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It says of him, the Lord Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The Lord Jesus Christ was in the form of God. Do you know what that means? It wasn't that he just thought he was God at man. He was Almighty God. And he thought it not robbery to be equal. The Lord says, to whom will you make equal to me? Who shall I be equal with? See, there's none. So the God who alone is God, the Savior who alone was Savior, had to come and shed his blood. But how does he have blood? God has no blood. He's a spirit. He had to take on a body of flesh and die in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ who being on the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Notice verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Here Almighty God from the Old Testament says, I'm going to come and I'm going to prepare a body for me and I'm going to come and I am going to die for them. Verse 8 says, Philippians 2 and 8 says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is the exclusivity of Christ. There is none other. There's salvation in other. In fact, the, the prophet Jonah said in Jonah 2, 2 and verse 9, he exclaimed, salvation is off the Lord. Salvation is off the Lord. You know one of the, one of the greatest weaknesses in the human frame? You and I think we need to add something to what Christ has done at Calvary. You and I think we can do something to merit our salvation until we realize that it's saved by grace alone, 
until we realize that it's only salvation by the grace of God. Exclusivity of Christ and salvation. Look, in Isaiah 45 and verse 22, we're going back to the Old Testament again. Listen to this. Listen to what Yahweh or Jehovah says. Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Now the Lord says, God says this, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. Now we need to think here, just pause for a moment. God, the invisible God, he is saying to Israel and he's telling men and women, look unto me and be ye saved. He's saying to the whole earth now, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There's no other God and there's no other Savior. But Lord, how do we do this? You're invisible. Do you see how impossible? I catch this. Do you see how impossible it is for a man and a woman to be saved except the Lord draw you? Do you see how we would all be lost and in our sin and bound for the road of destruction except God come down in Christ? He was high and lofty above us all and could stay there and let all of humanity die in their sin. And But yet he decides, I am God alone and I am the only one who can save and I will come for you. So look to me, but hi, Lord, I'll show you. Show you. The Almighty God says, Look unto me, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else, and he becomes flesh. Listen to Zechariah, still in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. God says again through the prophet, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. Notice, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. This is written 500 years before it happened. 500 years. Can you put that up there, please? Denise. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who did they pierce? They pierced Jehovah. They pierced Yahweh. They pierced the God who's saying, look at me. And they're saying, but Lord, we haven't pierced you. He says, it's coming. It's coming. When did this happen? And they took the Lord Jesus Christ and nailed him hand and foot to the cross. Put out the spirit of grace. You're in the age of grace now. You're in this dispensation of grace. This time of grace where we do nothing for our salvation but trust in Christ and follow him. It's the only way. There is no other way. I, I hear people saying, oh, this is to come yet to the, to the Jews. No, it's not. It's already happened 2,000 years ago. Look, they looked on him hanging on the tree, it says, and there they watched him there. That's what he says in the, in the Gospels when he was nailed hand and foot to the tree. Shall look upon me whom they have pierced, he said. So Jehovah, Yahweh, exclusively alone as the Savior, 
Yahweh would be pierced. You know what the name Jesus means when we transliterate it into our English word Jesus? It means Jehovah Savior. <laughs> Jehovah saves. So when you look at the cross of Christ, he is Jehovah Savior. He's Jehovah saves. Can I ask you, what chance do you think you'd have of getting into God's heaven by your good works since he need come himself to save you? What chance do we have if we are trusting in our denominationalism or our church affiliation? You have no chance outside of Christ. None. In John chapter 1, in verses 1 to 3, this is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Here we have God and His Word, His Logos. And it says in verse 14, John 1 and 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Father, that is. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He poured out the spirit of grace and supplication, nailed to the tree. Here is the word that was with the Father. Here is the word of the Father as we sing around Christmas time, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Here he is. You see, the word was the mediator the word of God was the mediator coming through the prophets to the nation. In Hebrews in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the writer writes, God who at sundry time and divers manners, or in other words, God who at various times and, and different ways spoke in time past unto the fathers. That's the Old Testament we have already told you about. Spoken time past unto the fathers by the prophets. The word, the mediator came. The mediation, the medium between God and man came through the word. Spoken time past of the fathers by the prophets, half in these last days spoken unto us by his son. The word made flesh, spoken unto us by his son. So again, it shows the exclusiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was exclusive in his birth. He was born of a virgin Mary. He was exclusive in his life. He is the one and only unique begotten son of the father. He was sinless and he was spotless. He was unique in his death. His sacrifice alone was acceptable to God. He was unique in his resurrection. He is alive after the power of an endless life. In other words, he now lives to die no more. He alone exclusively has conquered death. His intercessory ministry is exclusive in heaven. And Christ alone is our only mediator because he is the word that came to man. And now he takes a body of flesh. He is the word, the mediator. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Speaking of the Lord Jesus. Listen, for there is one God. How many gods does the Bible tell us there are? There's one God. And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us there isn't any other people interceding for us. 
granny and granda can't intercede for you who have died in Christ even. You see, and so-and-so is not interceding for you because there's only one, the Lord Jesus. In other words, here's God himself, the only God and none beside him, the only Savior. He becomes flesh and he says, no, I, I will intercede for you. There is none other else, only Christ. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24 says that Jesus is exclusively the mediator of the new covenant of the New Testament. He is so exclusive. We can't bring other faiths in and we can't worship in a different way and we can't pray to different gods. We can't do it because it's through Christ alone. He's exclusive. His name is exclusive in saving souls. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 Listen to what Peter said. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter said it. Peter says you can't be saved by another name. Only the name of Jesus. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, Jehovah's Savior, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we will exclusively gather in his name. Matthew 18 and 20 says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus said, you have to gather in my name. See, you can't gather together in the name of Allah and Muhammad and Confucius and Buddha or whoever else. Even you can't gather in the name of a saint or Mary or anyone but Christ and Christ alone, the name of Jesus. Jesus said this, folks. Mark in chapter 9 and verse 39, Jesus says, you do miracles in my name. Mark 16 and 17, he says, In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. John 16 and 23, we are to approach the Father only in his name. You and I have direct access into the Holy of Holies, into the Father through the Lord Jesus in his name. Throughout the book of Acts, they baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 2.38, again, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He is exclusive in everything, and I'm finishing my last point of exclusiveness of Christ. He's exclusive as coming again. You know, the Bible tells us, this Bible tells us that Jesus is coming again. There's more prophetic verses in that than any other doctrine in the scripture of the second coming of Jesus. I have something to tell you. If you're not saved and you're not ready and you're not born again, it doesn't matter if you're over at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and you're bowing before it and putting your notes in. That's not going to save you. It's not going to save you if you're, we're, we're breaking bread here on a Sunday morning or taking a mass in the church. It's not going to save you if you're on a pilgrimage or you're slaying little animals during, during the, the Ramadan season of Islam. Nothing will save you but Jesus. 
No one can save you but Jesus. Do you hear me, brothers and sisters? Now, if you're trusting in anyone or anything else, nothing will save you but full reliance on the blood of Jesus. You can say, well, I was a good Protestant or I was a good loyalist. I'll get you nowhere. You'll go to hell without Christ. You may say, I was a good Roman Catholic. You'll go to hell without Christ. Everything is wrapped up in Christ. Exclusively, he's coming back again. He's coming back again. And no man knows the day and the hour in which he will return. And when he comes back, listen to what it says in Titus 2 and 13. We're looking for that blessed hope. Listen, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. What did the Lord say in the Old Testament? I am the Lord, and beside me there is none else. I am the Lord, and beside me I know not any other God. I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. In other words, this isn't, he's saying there's a great God, and then there's another Savior. No, he's taking this from the Old Testament. He says, the great God who became flesh, the Word made flesh for us, is the same great and almighty God who's returning in clouds of glory and with power and he's going to roll back the skies like a scroll and from as far as the east is to the west. He is going to come and we shall see him as he is. And he's coming again, brother. He's coming again, sister. And you must be saved and you must be ready. We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he comes, there's going to be many, many who will be weeping and wailing. There'll be a gnashing of teeth. Trust you're saved. Yes, he is exclusively Savior, healer, baptizer in the Holy Spirit. The soon coming King. Paul writes in Romans 9 that he is over all God, blessed forever. He says, Amen. So, that's how exclusive it is that when a man or a woman, whether it's through religion or our own works or our own unbelief and think of, well, we'll we'll get there and St. Peter's going to open some sort of pearly gates. That's all pie in the sky stuff. That's all, that's Hollywood eye stuff. That's not true. That's not reality. I will. I, I get it anyway because you know I've got so many people praying. I, I, listen, folks. It doesn't matter if the world is praying for you. If you don't know Christ, the whole world can pray for you. Where are we then with Christ? Should the Lord call us home, or should He come again? Are you ready to meet him? So I finish with our reading. 1 Timothy 13 and six, 3 and 16, pardon me. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I've showed you the mystery of godliness. Jehovah Jesus, God of the Old Testament, becoming flesh and dying for us. Great is the mystery of godliness. God. Theos is the word there in the New Testament for the Greek. Theos, that's where we get theology from. Theos. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, 
believed on in the world, received up in the glory. We must ask ourselves at the exclusivity of Christ. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Who was manifest in the flesh? Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Who was justified in the spirit? Jesus was justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Who was seen of angels? Jesus was seen of, of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles or unto the nations. Who has been preached on to the nations? The name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Believed on in the world. Who has been believed on in the world? Jesus has been believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Who was received up into glory? Jesus was received up into glory. My brothers and sisters, the exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. There is none else. Let it be said, if this should be the last night I preach from this pulpit, let it be said tonight that Christ is the one and the only unique Savior. There is none else. And if man or woman do not know him as their own Lord and personal Savior, should he call them or should he come again, they will be lost for all eternity. Now that's the truth. And that is not politically correct anymore. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, listen, and I finish with, he says, I am. Jesus said this, I am. Listen, Jesus said it. I am the way, not a way. Not a certain way. One of many ways. I am the way, the sole exclusive way. I am the way, the truth, the life. Listen, no man. No man. It means mankind, no woman. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said that. The exclusiveness of Christ is that there's only Jesus and Jesus only. Should the Lord take me home this evening, I'm not looking for anybody else. Yes, I know when I open my eyes from I shut them in death, I know that I'll see my family that passed on in Jesus and I'll be with them and I will know them. Yes, I know that, but I'm looking for Christ my Savior. I'm looking for him, for he is the hope of glory, the Savior of the world. May God bless his word to us, the exclusivity of Christ tonight. And we trust that we all know him as our own Lord. Margaret, would you play for me? There's coming a day.